Hello again. This is Series 13 of Satisfied. The Series 13 podcast enhanced the perspective Bible study covering the books of First and Second Thessalonians in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we gained more biblical perspective about the end times and why we are to stay alert today. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 11 of the Perspective Bible Study. We will gain the biblical perspective on work until Jesus comes for us. Trying to understand all the prophecies about the end times is like having a bunch of puzzle pieces that look similar but without the picture on the box top to tell you how to arrange them. All we know for sure are the border pieces. We can put the four sides of the puzzle together. Those are events we know will definitely happen, but we don't know when or how the rest of the pieces fit inside the border. We put together one side of the puzzle in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. One day Jesus Christ will appear as Savior to gather His own together in the clouds. A second side of the puzzle is the Great Tribulation, during which God's wrath against sin is directed toward earth. That is introduced in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as the Day of the Lord. Another side of the puzzle is the revealing of the man of lawlessness or Antichrist. That was in the last lesson. The fourth side of the puzzle is Christ coming to exact justice against unbelievers and setting up his kingdom on earth. We covered part of that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Those are the four sides to our puzzle. The pieces in the middle can only be put together correctly when God begins to work on it. Is the time for Jesus' coming for believers getting closer? Yes, every day it gets closer. But obsessing on end times prophecy is a waste of time. It is pointless to try to figure out who the Antichrist is. As 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 clearly states, the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the restrainer is removed. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit and the rapture of living believers will remove His presence in their lives throughout the earth. You can't figure it out. I don't care how hard you try. Yet, we humans love figuring out mysteries, and prophecy is the biggest mystery ever. Why is it that we feel like we have to know how it all works out when we have absolutely no control over making it work out? God alone knows how the puzzle pieces fit together inside the border, inside the signs He gave us that the time was finally here. A popular Bible teacher from years past once said this, If I teach the book of Revelation, I can fill the church, even during midweek service. But if I begin teaching Romans, I can practically empty the church. I find there are people who will run all the way across town to find out from a speaker just how many hairs are in the horse's tail in Revelation. There are a great many people more interested in Antichrist than they are in Christ. That's sad but true. Maybe that describes you. That's why in this study we have focused on what we know to be true from the text and what is really important for us to know. One of the byproducts of an excessive interest in prophecy is idleness when it comes to doing the work of the Lord today. Sitting around just waiting for Jesus' appearing is not pleasing to God. Haven't we seen that in our perspective Bible study? Yet that was happening in Thessalonica, and I've seen it happen today. It's easy for Christians to get so disgusted with this wicked world 
that all they can think about is Jesus coming to take them away. They aren't suicidal. They are rejecting the purpose for which Christ has left them on earth. Children of the light are to be light bearers to the unsaved ones around us. When you are a light bearer, you are intentionally carrying a light to lead the way for someone, not just yourself. You can be a light bearer in your home, in your neighborhood, in your community, and in your workplace. Since Paul talks a lot about working in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, let's focus on Christ's purpose for you in your workplace during this time of waiting for him to come and gather his own. Work in any culture is, well, work. Sometimes enjoyable, often hard and exhausting, sometimes challenging because of the people with whom you work rather than the work itself. That can apply to any kind of work, inside or outside of your home. When you're working with your God-given skills, all work can be an act of worship. In Colossians chapter three, we read these words. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When you are working in an office or on the factory floor or in your home, you are serving Jesus Christ with your work. Your everyday run-of-the-mill job can be as much a sacred ministry for the Lord as teaching Sunday school. Your work is an act of worship, not a curse. Your workplace, be it home, office, factory floor, schoolroom, or road construction, is your mission field. Your work environment is where you must intentionally practice letting Jesus live his life through you in difficult situations, with challenging people, and with integrity that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. We spend a great deal of time at work, but may not see how our work intersects with our faith. That's understandable since it's rare to hear workplace applications in sermons or see them in Bible studies unless they are written for the workplace. So how do you live in your daily mission field? You do everything you learned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, living as children of the light, as light bearers. Even if you are retired from income producing work, being an intentional light bearer still applies to you. You still have that work to do to spread God's light into the darkness. It always helps to know a few truths about work any kind of work. Truth number one, work is God's idea. God created work in the beginning before sin ever entered into his world. The first thing that God instructed Adam and Eve to do was to work diligently and strategically where he placed them. God is a worker. Work is good. Sin corrupted work, so it got a lot harder to do. Then Jesus came along to renew us and restore our approach to work as he lives in us and through us. We are free to work for God's glory now. Truth number two, work is an avenue for accomplishing God's mission. When Jesus commissioned his followers, all of them, to make disciples everywhere they went, none of them were on church staff or in mission organizations. They were ordinary people going to work every day. In the same way, we are Jesus' ambassadors at work, in the conference room, on the factory floor, at the lunch break, on the playground, and in the kitchen. 
as we do our work with integrity and intentionally build relationships with our co-workers, clients, or family members, Jesus is actively involved in that. Work is your mission field and your platform to let Christ live his life through you. Truth number three, work is the place where God grows us into maturity. The Spirit of God uses our relationships, successes, failures, and experiences at work as tools in our spiritual growth. He teaches us to have the mind of Christ at work, to treat people as Jesus did, and to grow in our jobs under His guidance. God uses our work to mature us. Truth number four, work has purpose beyond ourselves. God can do more with our work than we can imagine. God designed work for the good of the world, not just for ourselves. Our work impacts the people in our work environment, our clients, and our managers. Work provides jobs, fuels the economy, and allows culture to flourish. When we work, we can taste the goodness of God intended for work in the beginning. Truth number five, work is where we practice depending on Jesus more than on ourselves. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, we are reminded to do everything we say or do in light of Jesus as Lord. Jesus is Lord over our work. So work is worship, and we glorify Him as we do our jobs well. Truth number six, work can become an addiction that takes the focus off of Christ and puts it on yourself instead. Most companies need employees to be productive, which is a biblical act of worship. And Christians should be the best workers. But you know that you have let work become an addiction when you are obsessively thinking about freeing up more time for your work. When you develop health problems because of work-related stress and overwork, that's not working for the Lord. Another clue is when you use your work to maintain your self-worth. The modern term for that is workism. Workism is the belief that your work is the center of your identity. For a Christian, your work is never the center of your identity. Christ is. So if you recognize this in yourself, go to the Lord and ask Him to free you from this addiction. Talk to a counselor about it as well. Work is where you spend up to two-thirds of your waking hours. Work is God's idea a means to accomplish His mission, a place for Him to mature us, has purpose beyond ourselves, and helps us practice depending on Jesus more than on ourselves. You can and should build healthy relationships with co-workers because your work is a significant ministry for you as a Christian. Now let's address a few questions about faith in the workplace. How do you live out your faith in the workplace? As I mentioned before, you do that by being the person described in most of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That's recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and your behavior. Let Him live His life through you to invite others around you to want to know Him. Ask Jesus to help you do that and trust Him to work in you and through you. What is legal to do at work? Go to firstliberty.org. That's firstliberty.org to find out what is legal for a Christian to do in any workplace. You might be surprised by what you can legally do to live out your faith in the marketplace and be grateful. 
How do you invest in your coworkers without stealing time from your employer? That's a great question. You use whatever break time or interaction opportunities you have available to get to know your coworkers and minister to them. Ask Jesus to help you be creative and caring. I have several Bible studies that are short and easy and would fit nicely in a lunch hour time frame. What if you hate what you do for work? That's where you submit yourself to Jesus Christ as Lord over you and even over that job. Let him teach you how to be thankful for that work or lead you to something else. Whatever he brings into your life that makes you more dependent upon him is good for you. Work is a great environment to learn that. Remember this, your work belongs to Jesus. He will enable you to find purpose in it that brings glory to him. So keep working diligently, producing what is needed, providing for yourself and others, and preparing the way for others to see Christ in you. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with his perspective on life in the present and in the future. Then live securely in him during this time of waiting. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 13 of Satisfied.